0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant professor of psychiatry. Uh, we're joined by Dr. Helen Reese. And, and Dr. Reese has got a fascinating background. She's both a Wesleyan grad, which from what I could tell, having been a Harvard grad myself, is about the smartest school I knew anybody from was Wesleyan. She also went to Boston University School of Medicine. She's been on the Mass General Faculty for, I think, 20 plus years, uh, and also an Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. She also directs something called the Empathy and Relational Science Program at Mass General, and is the founder of a company called Empathetics. Dr. Reese, can you take a moment, tell us just a little bit about yourself, and tell us about Empathetics.
1: Uh, Sure. Well, I was uh, born soon after my parents immigrated from Europe. They had experienced a lot of uh, childhood loss and trauma in World War II. So I was always aware of the impact of pain and suffering on people's lives, and I always wanted a helping and teaching profession and thought I'd become a medical doctor, but when I was introduced to psychiatry, I found my calling. The work of Heinz Kohut was pivotal in my residency because he identified empathy as psychological oxygen. And I realized that you could have all the technique in the world, but if you lack empathy, patients won't connect meaningfully with you. And this is true of psychiatry and every patient-doctor relationship. And so this led to a, an intense interest in empathy. And I did research um, on the neuroscience of empathy in a fellowship at Harvard, which led to my designing a curriculum to uh, imbue greater empathy in health care. And when that was tested in a randomized control trial and found to significantly improve the patient experience, it led to the
0: formation of empathetics. So so empathy is so important to everything beyond being a physician, and that's your area especially being a psychiatrist, every profession, every work, every family, that, that core quality of empathy is so critical when there makes everything else so much better when not there things are very cold aren't they how did you tell us about empathetics and, and what empathetics does your tell us about that yeah
1: yeah so um you know i initially was just trying to figure out whether we could close the gap between how patients were experiencing their medical care and um how they wanted to and um, I realized that the, the missing ingredient was uh, perceiving the needs and emotional um, uh, interests of the patient and um, overlooking them in favor of looking at computers and filling out paperwork. And my research goal was to understand how the brain uh, processes the emotions of others and um, how we enhance perception and response to patients' needs. And once I uh, learned about the neuroscience of empathy, I I created a curriculum that would uh, just address the perception the processing and response to patient communications. And um, I did this thinking it would all stay at Mass General, um, where I'd worked for a couple of decades. And um, when our research showed that we significantly could move the needle in how patients uh, rated their doctors. We got the attention of the New York Times after the study was published because we were the first um, study that showed that empathy could be taught. And so um, the demands for the training just started coming in, um, not just regionally and nationally, but internationally. And I soon realized that we needed to find a way to scale this training to meet the intense demand um, that healthcare was experiencing overall, which was how do we connect better with the patients and focus on their needs? So that was why Empathetics was founded.
0: In Empathetics now, um, is it software as a service? Is it in-person training? What does it look like as a model of working? What does that look like? What does empathetics look like when somebody uses it?
1: So it is a software as service uh, primarily. Um, we translated the education that was originally um, delivered in person into uh, really video rich and salient um, tr- education that showed Um, a wide variety of challenges to physician and nurse empathy. And um, the online courses um, are uh, very animated and interactive and they really ask physicians and nurses to think about how they would respond in challenging situations and give examples of optimal responses. Um, Soon after the... um, the SAS version came out, we were approached about uh, offering a train-to-trainer model because many of our um, hospitals and systems wanted to also add some classroom and workshop opportunities. And so we have a train the trainer model where empathetics trainers will come into an organization and train the in-house facilitators that that organization has identified and empower them to uh, deliver the in-person classroom support for these uh, courses.
0: Let me ask you a question, Dr. Reese, because it must be a fascinating career. I mean, you've got this magnificent career, leadership at Mass General, one of the literally top three to five, always, if not top one to two, health systems in the country, magnificent institution. Harvard medical school appointment as well, and, and now you're sort of involved also in what one thinks of as a business effort, and 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 is that fun to flex different parts of your intellectual muscles and, and and business muscles? I mean that must be a nice, nice sort of like, how how does that feel at this point in your career, to be, you know, playing in a different tangential sandbox, but tied to what you do? Well,
1: you know that's a great question and. Um, You know, every kind of decade of my career, um, I have kind of morphed into a different area of focus. I started as a clinician teacher uh, initially, and that led to becoming a researcher for more than a dozen years. And after doing a lot of research with an outstanding team at MGH, I realized that it was time to really focus on implementation you know, we had uh, discovered that empathy could be taught. We had refined ways to um, implement the training. And with the burnout crisis and the, you know, the parallel pandemics we're in right now between COVID-19 and burnout, um, it really became, you know, the next chapter to scale this training and to address the a really critical need for greater empathy not just between healthcare professionals and their patients but also organizations toward their healthcare workers and that is what i see as my you know driving purpose right now
0: you you had mentioned a specific psychiatrist or line of thinking that was critical to your development and training Mm -hmm. now When you think for us that are lay people, of course the the sort of probably the most famous is maybe Sigmund Freud, but then a number of other famous psychiatrists. Who Who are the most famous teachers in the area? Like like who else besides Freud are household names in psychiatry? That you know that 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 maybe should come to mind for some of us.
1: Well, there, there, there are many. There's Alfred Adler uh, from the past. There was. Um,
0: in In uh, Edward was uh, child psychiatry too, or or no? Yes, primarily. I mean, Edward. Primarily,
1: yes. And uh, Anna Freud was a child psychiatrist. Um, you know, there, there's Carl Jung, um, who uh, yes. was the founder Jungian. of interpersonal. Yes, and. Um, and then Otto Kernberg and Heinz Kohut came later in the 30s and 40s um, with their their seminal work on on object relations, um, and with Heinz Kohut, his focus on on um, on empathy.
0: Fascinating, just fascinating. So tell us, Dr. Reese, what are you most excited about this year? As you, what are you most focused on and most excited about this year? Is it the growth of the empathetics? What where, where are you most focused and excited this year?
1: Well, Scott, this year um, I am most excited about addressing the empathy crisis in healthcare for both patients and healthcare professionals. Um, the empathy crisis, I think, is primarily driven by burnout, and um, and that's causing the loss of love of the profession, and. You know what usually draws most people to medical careers is a desire to help people and relieve their suffering and to have the medical knowledge to do so. But what's really challenged now is the way we can invest in our relationships and time with patients. And so we are really in a uh, a crisis of um, meaning and purpose. And my main goal, is to uh, reinvigorate what used to bring the joy of the profession back um, to healthcare workers, and so many changes need to take place. To so many structural changes need to take place in order to free up doctors and nurses to actually focus on patients again. Um, And our training is one way to help the connection between providers and patients happen quickly and efficiently so that the excuse that it takes too long to show empathy can continue to be debunked because empathy can happen with a glance, uh, you know, a touch on the shoulder, a listening ear, And um, I view it as a skill that every medical professional needs to sharpen at the same time, you can't get water out of an empty pitcher. And so we have to also have organizations focus on empowering their workforce to deliver the kind of care that patients so desperately need and patient families.
0: And, and let me ask you about one question for a moment, because at the end of the day, very hard to address burnout if there's tremendous shortages and people are tremendously overworked. Because you, you, you said you, know, you can't squeeze water from a stone. If people are so exhausted, so burnt, it's hard for them to be as empathetic as they should be. If they've got a little bit more gap, a little more flexibility, a little more capacity, oh, it's much easier to breathe and to bring out one's better self. Talk for a moment about... You know famously, shortages in the psychiatry field what does that look like over the next decade or two? I mean, so many psychiatrists have moved away from I mean they often just it's a leverage concept they almost often just prescribe they don't talk anymore, but it's almost become a, a by necessity they've moved towards that. There's just this horrible shortage. Is there any hope to shorten that or improve the structure of medical school so people could be able to become a psychiatrist maybe a little sooner or, or are there any Changes afoot that could help address these shortages.
1: Well, I think what you're really astutely recognizing is that what's been forfeited in in medical education and and what's rewarded by um, third party payers is not the relationship, but just throughput. And you know, when I was trained to become a psychiatrist, we we had as much training in how to talk to patients and how to do psychotherapy as we did in in how to um, you know manage medications, and um, you know I can say with pride that Mass General Hospital still prioritizes psychotherapy and you know many other programs. It's all psychopharmacology, so. I think that the, the pendulum has swung to the point where everyone's realizing we have to invest in relationships uh, with our patients and relationships with our workers. And that's only gonna happen when some of the administrative burdens are seriously, you know, examined and um, and reduced from, from medical uh, health providers.
0: Yeah, no, it seems like an administrative burden, it seems like also there is a quantity issue, though, because at the end of the day, it's very hard for people to be empathetic, to be thoughtful, to be what have you, if they're so burnt out and there's not enough of them. there, there there there, There is, yes, being overwhelmed by administrative responsibilities and also a sure quantity number that would lessen the load on each psychiatrist or each physician that would give them more room to breathe and be empathetic.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is the the very structure of of how um, healthcare is delivered has become very automated. Um, uh, you know the, we are losing people, but we have to understand what's the chicken and what's the egg. Um, and um, when incentives can be reimagined, you know, by not just third party payers but the government you know to be thinking how are we preserving our healthcare workforce and how are we uh you know providing the the kind of support that they need to deliver excellent care um you know one one area of focus is 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 uh is examining the mental health of your workforce you know mental health is still kind of stigmatized and the need for support and for um making health care mental health care available easily is still very challenged and um, i'm sure you know that there are many disincentives for health care workers to to even access mental health care because of fear of not just stigma but also um you know having to declare this when they get re-credentialed and relicensed. It, along with you know have you ever been incarcerated and are you addicted to to drugs they ask um, have you you know ever sought mental health you know help so um, there's a real disincentive and a and a a, a a a stigma attached to something that I think if people access mental health support freely um, and it was made available um, that much of the the stress and uh, would come out of the job and also learning to set boundaries um, uh, and coming together as clinician cohorts to actually talk to leadership about what is working and what isn't.
0: A hundred percent. Dr. Reese, I know I've taken you off track of the original discussion about empathetics and what you do. What a remarkable career born out of a, uh, you know, Really, the empathy that comes from parents that came out of Eastern Europe or the Holocaust or wherever they came from, just a just a remarkable life-life story. Dr. Reese, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I mean, Mass General, Wesleyan, Boston University, Harvard Medical School, it's like the who's who of institutions in America. What a magnificent career. Thank you for taking the time with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.